awe. What causes you to say, wow? Well, today we begin a new sermon series called Awe that'll take us a little ways down the road. But as we begin today, we want to think about what is it, I want you to be thinking about what is it that causes you to say, wow? Is it while you're standing on the white sandy beach with the sand between your toes and you're looking out across the blue water and maybe you see some tropical fish or maybe a dolphin uh, jumping up? Does that cause you to say, wow? Maybe for you it's not the beach, but it's rather sitting on a, the deck of a cabin right at the foothills of a mountain. And as you look out across the mountains as you're sitting there in your rocking chair watching the snow across the tops of those mountains. Maybe that causes you to say, wow. Or maybe it's while you're riding in an airplane and you notice the, the clouds are now below you instead of above you. And you think, wow. Or maybe it's while you're listening to uh, the full orchestra playing maybe your favorite piece of music and you hear it and you're uh, just wrapped up in the sounds and it causes you to say, Wow. Or maybe it is tasting the most delicious entree that you have ever eaten and you think, wow. Or maybe it's in the morning when you, or in the afternoon when you smell fresh coffee and the sweet aroma of your favorite pie, then you say, wow. Whatever it may be, friends, these are called moments of awe. What causes that within each of us? Where, where do we get that from and why are we blown away by things which we see or feel or hear or taste or smell? I wonder, could it be that we were created that way for a purpose? Well, we're going to see some passages of scripture each week leading up to the week right after Easter where we will be wowed by the Lord God Almighty. And today, it's only appropriate that we begin at the beginning. Amen? We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 25, and see the beginning according to the word of God. And friends, listen. As we look at the beginning, if this just doesn't knock your socks off, then you're about as dry as burnt toast two days old. Amen? Genesis 1, verses 1 through 25. In honor and reverence to the word of God, I want to read that for you. Would you stand, please? As I read that for you, would you please, in reverence for the word of God, stand if you haven't already. I'm going to read Genesis 1, verses 1 through 25. The Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And thus God made the firmament, divided the waters which were under the firmament which from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so, and God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. 
And God called the dry land earth, and he gathered together the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. And then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. He set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light in the, on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. And so God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, then let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of the word of God, and we praise you, O God, for how we stand in awe of who you are. Lord, how we too often take for granted your awesomeness. And we pray, Lord, that as we gather here this morning, that you would help our hearts and minds to be in tune to what we need to hear and understand, that, Lord, we would step back once again and take note of who you are and be in awe of you because you are high and holy and majestic and glorious. And we pray, Lord, now that you would use me as your instrument. Lord, guide and direct all of us to hear from your word, and may your spirit have the freedom to move in every heart and in every life. Lord, that we'll walk away from here knowing that we've been in the presence of this awesome God who is the one true living God. And if there are those here today who do not know you, Lord Jesus, may this be the hour of salvation. For those of us who do, Father, we pray that you would spur us on to higher ground, to be more like you, and our hearts would be like your heart, and Lord, that we would indeed stand in awe of you. Lord, may the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Next week, I'll just sort of give you a little bit of a heads up about next week. Next week, we're going to go further into God's creation as he creates human beings. And today is the Sanctity of Human Life Day for many uh, in our convention. But because of snow, we're going to push that back 
next week. But nevertheless, the sanctity of human life is still very important to us, whether that's this Sunday or next Sunday or every Sunday. Amen. So I want you to be aware of that, that we are going to touch on that in a great detail next week. But today we see in, the, in your bulletin, there's an outline for today's message as we look at the beginning, as we think about awe. And we see here that we are in awe of the Lord because of, first off, his existence, his existence. When you look at verse one, the very first verse in God's word, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created Now, you just have to say wow at that when you think about it. Amen? You have to say wow that in the beginning, God created. So that tells us that if in the beginning, God created, that tells us that he existed before the beginning. In the beginning, God created. So therefore, he had to be be before the beginning. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, it tells us there that he is the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, who alone is wise, to whom is worthy of all honor and glory. We see also in the scripture that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see also in the scripture that he is the one true living God and that there is no other. And that God, that God is the God who created the heaven and the earth, and that is the God who exists. Amen. He is the God who exists. You see, friends, the Bible always assumes and never argues God's existence. The name for God here is the word Elohim. It's a plural name, but with a singular meaning. So he is the, this God, the one true living God is the God who is the majestic, all powerful three in one. We see the the Godhead of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, even as we look at the scriptures and see him in creation. Here in verse 2, it tells us that the earth was without form and void and darkness on the face of the earth of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That, That hovering of the Spirit of God there is a sense of anticipation or expectation of what is about to happen. But also we see the spirit of God. We also see the son of God in other passages as the creator here. As a matter of fact, in John 1, 3, we find that Jesus, the son of God is the incarnate word. It tells us in that passage, all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made. But also we find in another passage of scripture in Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 and 17 that Jesus is the creator and the sustainer. It tells us in that passage that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, that's Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, that all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist, meaning he sustains, he holds all things together, amen? Praise God, that's the creator in which we are talking about. In the beginning, God created, he exists, and there is no other God but him and him alone. He's the only God, friends, and he exists today. Yesterday, today, and forever. 
In Isaiah 43, verses 10 and 11, we read from the prophet Isaiah where the Lord says, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me, watch now, before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I am the Lord and besides me, there is no Savior. Friends, I don't know about you, but I am wowed at the existence that we have a God who is the one true living God. Not only that, but he is the God who is a personal God. He is the God who exists. He's a God who is personal in that he speaks, he sees, he acts, he creates, he knows, he hears, he lives, he loves, he interacts, and he answers. You see, the Bible points to the very existence of God, but also so does creation itself. There's an old rabbi who quoted and said, a house testifies that there is a builder, a dress that there is a weaver, a door that there is a carpenter, and so our world by its existence proclaims its creator, who is God. You know, there's an old story that goes about Sir Isaac Newton who had in his home an exact replica of our solar system made in miniature. And at the very center of that solar system that he had made was the large golden ball, a bronze ball that represented the sun. And then revolving, he had revolving around the sun were small spheres uh, representing the planets that were attached uh, at the ends of those planets with rods of different lengths. And they were geared together with cogs and belts so that when he would crank a certain crank, it would cause those planets to move around the sun in harmony. Well, one day, Sir Isaac Newton was in his study and he was uh, checking out and, and looking at the model uh, that he had created. And a friend who did not believe in the biblical account of creation stopped by to see Sir Isaac Newton. And as this friend was there, he was marveling at this device and the sun and how the planets and all were in their orbits. And his friend, uh, you know, talked to, to Sir Isaac Newton and he said, Mr. Newton, this is tremendous Who made this for you? And Sir Isaac Newton said, nobody. And the man said, nobody. He said, that's right. He said, all of these balls and cogs and gears and belts, well, they just happened to come together. And wonder of all wonders, by chance, they began revolving in their set orbits within this with perfect timing. The fellow got the message pretty quick that he knew that that wasn't the case. And as we look at the world around us, friends, and see what is happening around the world today in that we have the sun and the plants are in perfect orbit, orbit. they did not just come together, amen, but there is someone who did that and it was God who before the beginning put it all together. All of creation proclaims that there is a creator and he is the one true living God. It did not happen by chance, amen? There is existence. We are in awe of the Lord because of his existence. But secondly, not only are we in awe of him because of his existence, but we're also in awe of him because of his excellence. Because of his excellence. Now notice some key words here. 
as we look at this passage of scripture, one through 25, we see um, that God saw and it was good. It was good. Now, I'm not going to read these next few verses, but in verse four, we find that God created light and he saw and it was good. God created in verse 10, the dry land and the seas, and he saw that it was good. In verse 12, it tells us there that he created the grass and the herbs and the trees that yields fruit, and he saw that it was good. In verse 17 and 18, it tells us that he created the sun, the moon, and the stars, and he saw that it was good. In verse 21, it tells us that he created the living things in the water and the birds of the air, and he saw that it was good. And in verse 25, it tells us there that he created the cattle and all that creeps on the earth, and he saw that it was good. You see, friends, God, the perfect God, the one true living God created, and he saw that it was good. It was good, meaning he found satisfaction in his work. He found satisfaction in his creation. And the word good reveals that there is a high quality. There is moral excellence here. And so what we know from that is that when our creator creates, he creates good stuff. Amen? He creates good. There was a famous comedian of old who was talking about our creator when he was talking, when he said, let there be trees. And God saw that it was good, said it was good, and it was good. Trees, let the trees stand, good. Quality of God's work, good. That God was satisfied, good, just good. He said, man invents, God creates. Man invented an automobile, called it fantastic. God did a tree, said it was good, you see. Man did a refrigerator, said amazing. God did a rabbit, said good. Well, the wheels fell off the car and the refrigerator broke down, but the tree's still up and the rabbit's still running. Good. It's good. You see, friends, everything God creates is good. The conclusion even of chapter 1 and verse 31, then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. You see, friends, what God does, he does with excellence. His excellence in what he has done causes us to be in awe. God's excellent creation causes us to be in awe. God's excellent creation pauses us to be in awe. But friends, I believe that too often we're too focused on other things. Or we're too busy with life that we miss God's awe-inspiring creation that is around us. Taking the time to really look and see every day at how we have an awesome creator and be in awe of him. We think about whether that be the snow or the summer breeze, the spring flowers or the fall leaves, whatever they may be. When we see the sunrise or the sunset, when we hear the thunder or we enjoy the beautiful days, whether it's looking at the bumblebee or the whale, the giraffe or the hummingbird, the stars at night or the dew on the ground in the morning, those mountains we talked about or that ocean that you've seen or every grain of sand, those huge rocks, every sound, every aroma, friends, is Excellent. 
He is the creator of all things. And when we see those things, when we hear those things, we should stop and say, wow. But see, listen, friends, but not only are the creations themselves excellent, but so is God's creative structure and order. Not only is it what he's created, but how he has created them as well. It causes us to be in awe of a God who has great wisdom and understanding and knowledge. As a matter of fact, if we go back to our scripture and look at verses six and seven, we see the structure and order here where it says, and God said, let there be a firmament, which is an expanse or an atmosphere or sky in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made this firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so, so that there is now an atmosphere of, uh, of, uh, in the sky and then there's the waters below. So there's now a division here. So there's the atmospheric water from the terrestrial water. He has divided that. Then also in verses nine and 10, we see God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And so we see here his structure and order, not only that he divided the, the atmospheric water from the terrestrial waters, but also how he gathered together the dry land from the seas and he set boundaries so that the sea now does not come up all the way onto the dry land. There's a boundary between, between them. In other words, when was the last time you saw the ocean in, in Oklahoma? Right? There is a boundary there so that the, the seas do not come all the way up. He has set the boundaries here. There's structure and there is order. And in verse 11 also, we see here, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. In other words, he, let, he brought forth the grass, the herbs, and the fruit, and he did it here. But why here? It's because it comes before the animals so that they then will have food as he then creates them next. Then in verse 14, it tells us here, then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and seasons for days and years. So he divided the night and the day. And why did he do that? It's for seasons and days and nights. You see, the excellence of God is seen not only in the creation itself, but also that he has established boundaries. He's created structure and order and that separates creation from different parts. These are very important for the ordering of the world because without these structures and without this order, the world would be in chaos. Amen? But God knew what he was doing as he created all this and put everything in its place. You see, we stand in awe of his excellence because of his creation, because of his structure and order. Every, listen, friends, every day and all around us, we have the potential to be in awe of the Lord if we'll just take notice. As I was, God was dealing with my heart about doing this series on awe, it was back in the latter part of last year around October. And as I was thinking about awe and, and the passages of scripture that cause us to say wow at who God is, uh, the Sunday paper, which has the little parade magazine came out and the front article, there was one word on it and it was A-W-E, awe. I said, okay, Lord, I'm in. I'm definitely in. Let's hear what we got. And so I looked there at that article and from a, it was interesting from a secular viewpoint that it said this, 
that awe is the feeling of being in the presence of something vast and beyond human scale that transcends our current understanding of things. That Arthur went on to say that awe is now thought to be a basic part of being human that we all need. And also the article said that awe affects us and we need it, scientifically speaking. Now, why would that be? Why do we need to be in awe? You see, God created us with that need. And here's the reason why. Because friends, listen, when we are in awe of something and we have the feeling of being in the presence of something vast or beyond human scale, it points us to the creator. That's why God put that sense of awe within us to point us to the creator. Paul David Tripp in his book called Awe said, the awesome displays of creation and the awesome things were not intended to be the ultimate. They were not made to be the stopping place and the feeding station of the heart. But rather every awesome thing in creation is designed to point you to the one who alone is worthy of capturing and controlling the awe of your searching and your hungry heart. You see, friends, as we think about the excellencies of creation, we are to think about all of creation around us that we experience and where we stand in awe of these things only to be street signs for us. They are not what we're ultimately looking for. Our hearts are not looking for that picture of the ocean. Our hearts are not looking for the mountains with the snow. The hearts are not looking for the sound of the orchestra. No, it's something else that that these only point us to what it is that we ultimately are searching and are hungry for. It is to be, these things are to be our street signs that point us to our creator You see, friends, we don't stop at the sign because the sign cannot deliver what the thing is pointing to will deliver. Does that make sense? So in other words, when you're going to the beach or you're going to Disney World, let's use Disney World as an example. If you're going to Disney World and you get 10 miles out and you see a big sign that says Disney World 10 miles away, well, you and your family don't get out of your vehicle at that moment and go over to the sign and take a picture and pull out your picnic basket and think we have arrived at Disney World. No, you've only come to a sign. That what you're looking to deliver is you want to be at Disney World, not the sign of it. And friends, our hearts are hungry for something. It's not the signs that we're looking for. It's not the creation that we're looking for. It's the creator. That's what we're looking for. And so these signs, these things are here only to point us to our creator. Because the creation, listen, the creation itself cannot give you what only the creator can deliver. And that is lasting satisfaction. Amen? Lasting satisfaction. You see, friends, our horizontal awe, the things that we experience here on this level, are meant to do one thing, and that is to stimulate a vertical awe. The horizontal awe is meant to do one thing, to stimulate a vertical awe. The creation does not satisfy, but the creator does. Now, here's the question this morning. 
Are you longing for the awe of creation or being in awe of the creator? You see, friends, we are in awe of the Lord because of his existence and because of his excellence. But thirdly, we see in our scripture today, not only that, but we see his eminence. We see his eminence. There's another um, couple of words here that we see over and over again in these verses as well. And it's these three words. It was so. His excellence shows us when we saw the words, it was good. Now we see his eminence in that it was so. And in those three words, we see his absolute power and his awesome authority. In verses 6 and 7, as we've already read those verses, we see that God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters, and it was so. In, verses nine, in verse 9, we read that God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered in one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. In verse 11, God said, let the earth bring forth grass, herb, fruit, and fruit trees, and it was so. And then in verses 14 through 18, God said, let there be lights in the firmament. And then we come to verse 16 and it tells us, then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Now friends, I don't know, but you just got to say, wow, at that. Here is God who created the sun. And not only did he create the sun, but he creates the moon. And then, oh, and yeah, and by the way, he made the stars also, the Bible says. And verse 17, it tells us then, not only did he create them and made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Then God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. He set them. He placed them. Okay, all right. Hang with me here. Try to picture this. God, who is, exists before the beginning, creates the sun and puts it in place. He creates the moon and he puts it in place. Oh, and by the way, he creates the stars also. You see, friends, not only did he do that, he created them out of nothing. Seen here, but also confirmed in Hebrews 11, verse 3, that says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God created out of nothing. He spoke, watch now, he spoke and it was so. You got to say, wow, amen. It was so, God spoke and it was so. It's his eminence, the awesome power of God. God speaks and when he speaks, it has universe changing authority. We are awed by his eminence, by his awesome power, but also by his absolute authority. Now, where do you see his authority in this passage, pastor? Well, We see his authority in that he names his creation. He calls the light day. He calls darkness night. He calls the dry land earth and the waters sea. And you see, friends, naming something signifies an exercise of sovereign right. You see, only a parent can name a child, right? 
Only the inventor of an item has the legal right and the authority to name it. And so the naming of his creation reveals that he is Lord over all. He has absolute authority. And we are wowed by God's eminence, his awesome power, and his absolute authority. So then, how do we then apply all of this to us? Being in awe of his existence, being in awe of his excellence, being in awe of his eminence. Well, there's a couple things we need to do as we apply this to our lives. And the first one is this. We need to experience awe. Experience awe. What do you mean by that, pastor? Hey, here's what I mean. Let's, let's put down our phones and put down our gadgets and put down our electronic devices, put down all of our toys and all of our calendars. Let's come out from inside, come away from the shops just for a little while, come out of the, the workshop just a little while, and let us stop and look and listen and be aware of the awesome works of our Creator. You see, friends, listen, our problem is that we have become so single-minded, worldly-oriented, calendar-conscious, agenda-focused that we have looked past the beauty and looked past the majesty and the significance of creation. But now what, what I'm asking us to do is let us instead stop, look, listen, and be aware of the jaw-dropping, knee-weakening, silence-producing, wonder-inspired creation that's around us so that it causes us lip-quivering, throat-tightening, tear-rolling, and chill-bump-raising worship and awe of our Creator. Amen? That's what we need to be doing as we stand in awe of our Creator. The things which we see God has created for us to enjoy, but they are to be signs that point us to that which truly satisfies, and that is our Creator. Experience the awe. But then not only do I want you to experience the awe, and I think that's biblically what we're supposed to do. Secondly, let us explain awe. Explain awe. You see, once you experience the awe of the creator, or experience the awe of your creator, explain it. So as you experience this awe that you see, whether it's something you see, you hear, you smell, you feel, you taste, whatever it is, let it point to the creator and then you point to the creator. It is created for you so that you can be pointed to the creator and now God uses us as his instruments to also point to the creator as we experience these things. We are to explain to the people around us how he did this for us to be pointed to him. When you are standing on the beach with your children and you see that dolphin jump up or you see that fish swim or you see that jellyfish or whatever it may be that you see in that water, you take time to say to your children, isn't that beautiful? But you know who made that? You know why he made that? For us to come and know that he is our creator. As you talk to people, when you come into work in the morning and you say, man, did you see that sunrise this morning? It is an opportunity if you said, you know, God made that for us today. Point to the creator as you experience awe and explain awe. Friends, I don't know about you, but I sure am glad that he is the creator. Amen. I'm I'm so grateful that he's the creator who exists and that we marvel at his excellence 
and at his eminence. But I wonder, do you know him? You see, to truly be in awe, it begins with Jesus in your life. And as we saw here in Genesis chapter 1, did you notice that God's first creative word was let there be light? And it was a call for light in the midst of primeval darkness because light is necessary for making God's creative work visible. And light is necessary to make life possible. And so friends, listen, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you, my friend, like we were at one time, are still in darkness. And he calls out to you today to let there be light in your life. Matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, it tells us this. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. That's pointing back to Genesis, the first chapter. It's the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The same creator who called light out of darkness in the beginning is the same creator, friends, who calls you out of darkness into the light through Jesus Christ. He brings light into your life and he calls you out of that darkness. And as he calls, you're, as he calls you, you're to take that step of faith. Acknowledging that we're a sinner in need of a savior for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We need Jesus to save us. And so we turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus Christ, which is repentance, believing with all of our heart, embracing with all of our heart that Jesus is God's son who died on the cross and rose again bodily from the grave. And we profess him as the Lord and savior of our lives. It's a step of faith. We turn in repentance. We believe trusting him by faith. So if you've never trusted Jesus, Lord, as Lord and Savior of your life, it's our prayer that today you'll, as he calls you, that you'll say yes to him and let him bring light into your life as you take that step of faith. But for believers, for those of us who are believers, as I was working on this message, I came across a story. A young mother was awakened in the middle of the night by a loud thump. Y'all have heard that before, maybe at nighttime when you had kids. She knew that her five-year-old must have fallen out of bed. And so she rushed in to see if he was hurt. Are you all right? She asked. And yes, he replied. Simply yes, he replied. But he said, I just went to sleep too near to where I got in. You know, friends, listen. For too many of us, I'm afraid that we have gone to sleep too near where we got in. When we were saved, we got, when we were saved, we got just enough of God to feel like we're okay. Maybe over the years, we're doing a whole lot of stuff. Maybe over the years, we, we know a whole lot of scripture, but the question is this, where are we growing in that relationship with Jesus Christ? The question is, are we really close to our creator? Friends, we just need, we just went to sleep too near where we got in, I'm afraid. Well, friends, I'm here today to say it's high time that we wake up 
and have more awe of him. And so will you today pause and be in awe of our great creator? Because he alone, he alone is God and he alone is worthy of our worship and he alone is the one who satisfies our hungry heart. So will you turn your attention to him today and every day and be in awe of God? Maybe today you need to recommit your heart and life to the Lord. Maybe you need to say, there's something God's dealing with me about. I need to be obedient and follow through. I need to surrender and yield my life to him. Maybe I need to surrender and yield a certain area that I just haven't given over to him yet. Whatever, friends, God is dealing with you about, know that he is our creator. He is the personal God who knows, who acts, who listens, who loves, who interacts, who calls us to himself. And he is doing that in our lives all the time. Where is it that God is dealing with you? What is he working on you with? Be obedient to that. Maybe it's to be a part of the family of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Be obedient to that. Maybe it's to be baptized. Be obedient to that. Whatever it is that God's dealing with you about. Friend, listen, let us stand in awe of God because he is worthy of all praise. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we have looked at the beginning here in Genesis 1, we step back and we say, wow, at who you are and all that you have done. Lord, we are in awe of your existence, that you are the God who is, who was, who will always be, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're in awe, God, of your excellence, that you spoke and saw, and it was good, that you create only good stuff and that all of these creations point us to you. And God, we stand in awe of you because of your eminence that you spoke and it was so. You speak and you have universe changing authority. God, we stand in awe of such an awesome God. But God, we also stand in awe of you because you, the God who is our creator, knows each and every one of us by name. And you have set us apart and you called us to be your children. And Father, there are those here who who are sensing that in their hearts and lives that we pray that they'll say yes to Jesus as you're seeking to bring light in the midst of their darkness. But those of us, Father, who are your children, we pray, Lord, that you remind us afresh and anew that as you are the creator God, you're also the loving savior and redeemer who has set us apart to be his children, to follow you. So Lord, I pray that we'd be faithful to follow you. Lord, to step back and to have those moments of awe and once again be reminded of how great and majestic and marvelous and awesome and holy you are. So Lord, move us now to this time of decision to say yes to you wherever you're calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.